0: Good morning, it is so good to be with you back at Beacon Baptist Church. I want to tell you, we love this place. We love your pastor, and uh, Brother Andy, and even Brother Kevin, too, and everybody else around here. Of course, I'm kidding, and it is such a joy to be with you folks. I almost feel when I come to this stage like I need some kind of object lesson, you know, because that's what we do during the summertime uh, for the kids in vacation Bible school, so I feel like I should be blowing something up or putting a hole in something. And uh, we are just joyed, overjoyed to be with you and to have our family. It's a little strange for us to come to South Florida and the temperature be in the 40s. We are used to uh, about 200 degrees when we come down here, you know. Uh, but we are so thankful to be here and uh, thankful for the opportunity to preach. We love you, folks. We pray for your, pray for you and for your church. And anytime we get to come minister at Beacon Baptist Church, it is a joy. Notice Luke chapter number 8, if you will. I was sharing with Brother Andy just a few moments ago. I read this passage several weeks ago, and I cannot tell you the times in the last few days that the Lord has brought that phrase to my mind. Verse number 25, did you notice that phrase? Jesus asked the disciples, where is your faith? You know, church, it's amazing how something that is so present can become so absent under the right set of circumstances. Something that is sure can become very shaky when it's put to the test, can't it? I was thinking sometimes we use this phrase about a dog. That dog is all bark, but no bite. You ever said that about a dog before? I remember uh, several years ago, we were actually in a different house, and I was trying to get in the habit of running trying being the key word there, you know, and as I was running, I would run up the hill, we had a good hill, and every time I'd come to the top of this hill, this particular dog would come out of me, and this dog just had anger in his eyes, you know, he just thought, boy, this is what I've been waiting on, uh, for this, this, this uh, young man to come running by, and what I learned about this dog is that when it would come running, if I would just stand my ground, And I would do some really silly things, just to be honest. I began yelling at the dog, you know, and I I would stomp my foot at it. And all of a sudden, this dog that seemed so tough, when it was really put to the test, its toughness, it it became quite a wimp. It would run away. It 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 would get out of the way so that I could keep running. You know, church, difficulty has a way of revealing what is hidden under the surface, doesn't it? In the passage before us, Luke chapter number 8, the disciples are in a difficulty. They're in a trial, a a testing, literally in a storm, aren't they, of life. They've been following Jesus for quite some time. After all, we're in Luke chapter number 8, aren't we? They've seen miracles performed. They've heard Jesus teaching. In fact, this very day, they've just spent a whole day listening to Jesus teach the multitudes. And it would seem that after every miracle... Perhaps after every teaching, their faith would grow just a little bit, wouldn't it? We we just saw it again. He did that. Boy, we've never seen that one before. And he truly is who he said that he was. On this day, we would find out if we go to Mark chapter number four, that this account is found both there and in the book of Matthew, that this is the day that Jesus, the crowds were so big that Jesus had to get in a boat and, st- and, and launch out a little ways from the shore just so he could have room. Do you remember that? The crowds continued to press upon him, and so Jesus uses a boat for his pulpit. And hours upon hours go by, Jesus is teaching. Finally, the time comes and Jesus. Verse number 22 says, let's get in a boat. Let's go to the other side. When the storm comes, it's amazing, on the Sea of Galilee that night, the faith that the disciples had that at some point had to seem so sure, so unshakable, suddenly vanishes, doesn't it? They turn to panic. Uh, They're they're fearful for their lives. By the way, I think I would have been too. I'm not condemning them this morning. But that faith that was so strong all of a sudden is very shaky. It has disappeared. And Jesus, after he calms the storm, turns to them and says, where has your faith gone? Where is it, Peter? Peter? Why is it that you had so much confidence in me uh, just hours ago as I was teaching great truths to you, but in the midst of a difficulty, your faith has disappeared? I want to tell you this morning, before we jump into our notes this morning, that the disciples were men of faith, weren't they? I believe many of them had come to saving faith in Christ. They understood that you are the Christ, you're the anointed one, the Messiah. They had left their homes, they had left their jobs, they had left their families, given their lives to this man by faith. These were people of great faith, and yet in a trying time, when the waters got a little stirred up and the heat got turned up, their faith suddenly disappeared. Boy, trials have a way of doing that to us, don't they? Church, I want you to notice with me this morning three uh, actions, if you will, in the story that help us to answer Jesus' question, where's your faith? Where's it gone? Notice, first of all, with me what the storm did to their faith. Notice what the storm did to their faith to their faith first first of all this morning it tried its strength didn't it it put it to the test you ever heard someone say, a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted, right? And here's the disciples, and yes, they've got the answers right on the test, right? They've answered right, and in their mind, all their thinking is correct. They're starting to understand how Christianity works and how different it is from the Jewish law that they've grown up in, but all of a sudden, the test is now physical. It's a, it's a trying of their faith. The strength of their faith is being tested. One man said this about the storm on the Sea of Galilee. He said such storms are not uncommon on this sea since the surrounding topography lends itself to sudden weather changes. The sea is some 680 feet below sea level. I was studying. It's actually the lowest uh, body of freshwater on the planet, 680 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by hills, the steepest of which lie on its eastern shore. Coming through the hills, cool air reaches a ravine and collides with trapped warm air over the Sea of Galilee. And as any meteorolo- meteorologist will tell you, this produces volatile conditions. In other words, the conditions are just right because of the tall mountains that surround this sea. When the, when the cool air comes rushing down the mountains and it meets the warm air in the Sea of Galilee, it creates these violent storms. It doesn't it quite... Suddenly, in fact, the word here, it came down or it descended as the root word from which we get our word, "Kabbatic," which uh, meteorologists use. I'm not this smart, but meteorologists use a term kabatic winds, which are winds that are going downhill and rushing even hurricane speeds. You folks understand that around here, don't you, a little bit? And so this storm all of a sudden comes rushing into the Sea of Galilee. I don't know what the disciples were talking about, perhaps what Jesus had taught about that day. Boy, that was new. Boy, that was good. Boy, I needed that today. All of a sudden, the storm clouds begin to build. Maybe they hear the thunder. They, they see the lightning in the distance and start talking about themselves before they can even formulate a plan. Boom, the storm is upon them. Do you notice how verse 23 described this storm? It was a storm of wind. Boy, this was a bad storm. Reminds me, storms can come suddenly and shock us, can't they? In an amazing church, how a phone call can change your life you experienced that before. You wake up, you go about your day, everything's normal, you, you go to work, you go about your normal business, and all of a sudden one fo- phone call changes everything, doesn't it? turns things upside down. I remember uh, just over two years ago we got one of those phone calls in our family, and all of a sudden the things that you had planned for the day, everything stops, everything ceases. This is the disciples. This storm has come. Suddenly in their life, Matthew uses the word seismos to describe this storm, which literally means shaken. The storm was shaking the boat. It was was like an earthquake. Boy, storms, not only do they come suddenly and shock us, but sometimes they come strongly and shake us, don't they? They seem more than we can bear. They seem like there's no way around this. There's no way to get through this. I want to remind you this morning when Jesus asked the disciples, where is your faith? What faith is? Faith is belief, isn't it? It's trust. It's trust. And in fact, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 describes it this way. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, watch church, not seen. Not seen. Faith is believing even when we can't see, right? Faith is trusting even when we don't know the outcome that the Lord is in control. By the way, faith is how we're saved, isn't it? It's by grace alone, through faith, that our sins are forgiven. For by grace are you saved through faith, I want to say, if you came into Beacon Baptist Church this morning, not knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, the only way is through faith in the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. It's not a baptismal waters that save you. It's not cleaning your life up or doing some good deeds or becoming a better person. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that saves. And my goodness, this morning you could know Him as your Savior. But by the way, church, we don't just—we're not just saved by faith. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. What about you? But saving faith is one thing. Practical faith is another, isn't it? Faith in the bank account situation. Faith in the health crisis. And here's the disciples. And yes, they've chosen to follow this man. But now we're in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And it's come suddenly. And it's come strongly. And this storm is testing their faith. I don't know about you, church, but for me, in easy times, it's easier to have faith. But in difficult times, it's much more difficult to have faith. I can't see the outcome. I can't see any way out or any circumstances that this would work for my good. Hudson Taylor one day was speaking with a potential missionary. he was been a missionary for many years at this point. And as they were seeking, speaking, suddenly he stood up and he pounded his fist on the table the missionary was taken back. He thought, what in the world is is Dr. Taylor doing? And as he did this, the cups of tea that were on the the table began to shake and the the tea spilled out of them. And and he thought, what is this man doing? He's crazy. Dr. Taylor turned to the man. He said, remember this, he said, when you begin your work, you will be buffeted in numerous ways. In other words, storms, trials are going to come. The trials will be like blows. Remember, these blows will bring out only what is in you. In other words, the tea came out because the tea was what was in those cups. You know, in a storm, what comes out is what's in, isn't it? And that's what this storm is doing. Church, what is the storm doing to their faith? It is trying it. It is testing it. And I remind you this morning that the storms were in this, excuse me, the disciples were in this storm because of their obedience, not because of their disobedience. Oftentimes, we look at storms in our life and we think, well, what did I do wrong, right? Where where did I get off track? No, 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 listen. Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat. Jesus told the disciples to go to the other side. One man said, being obedient to the Lord does not exempt you from storms. In fact, it often leads you right into them. And That's true, isn't it? Remember with me, church, that obedience for Jesus Christ led him right to the cross, right to the scourging. Obedience doesn't exclude us from storms. Storms come to those without Christ in their boat as well as they come to those with Christ in their boat, don't they? They just come into life and they test our faith. Secondly, the storm, what was it doing to their faith? It was testing its strength. Secondly, it was revealing its weakness, wasn't it? Gentlemen said this the lesson now before us is one of deep practical importance. To have true saving faith is one thing, to have that faith always ready for use is quite another. Many receive Christ as their Savior and deliberately commit their souls to Him for time and eternity, who yet often find their faith sadly failing when something unexpected happens and they're suddenly tried. These things ought not so to be. We ought to pray that we may have a stock of faith ready for use at a moment's notice and may never be found unprepared. You know, in this moment, church, I want to point out a couple things to you why I think the disciples' faith was weak. Notice, first of all, with me, they had lost their focus, didn't they? Take your Bible, if you have it, go with me to Matthew chapter number 14. The disciples here are in another storm on the same Sea of Galilee, Matthew chapter number 14. And I don't know about you, but I I think after a couple storms on the Sea of Galilee, next time Jesus asked asked us to get in a boat, I would have asked him, Hey, Jesus, how's the weather this time? Is it going to be like last time? Is there going to be a storm coming again? Notice Matthew chapter number 14 with me, verse number 25 it's a beautiful picture of losing our focus here. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And I've often puzzled at Peter's response there. Why is it that Peter couldn't say, Lord, if it's really you, tell us who's in the boat. (laughs) Lord, if it's really you, where were we today? What did we eat for lunch today? But no, Peter says, God, if it's you, uh, tell me to come to you on the water. And notice what happens, verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Boy, what a faith-building moment, don't you think? Jesus uh, has Peter's focus He has his faith, and he's walking on the water. What a wonderful time. But notice verse 30. But when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. You know what happened in that moment, church, don't you? Peter lost his focus, didn't he? His eyes turned from the one who was in control, the one that he could trust. And all of a sudden, the waves began to roll a little bit higher, and the wind was whistling all about him. And he got his eyes off of Jesus and on the storms. Boy, he lost his focus, and he began to sink. Boy, this is so true of us in life, isn't it? Our focus can so easily turn to our circumstances. give you a couple thoughts here, church. Focusing on the storm leads to a fear-based reaction. But focusing on our Savior will lead us to a faith-based reaction. When we're looking at the winds, just like the disciples, boy, that the the boat is filling with water and life is beginning to sink. We're going to act in fear. We'll act hastily, act without considering the Lord. But when our focus is on Christ, then we react in faith. You don't have to turn there, but I recall your attention to Numbers chapter number thirteen. You remember, uh, Moses sends out 12 spies into the promised land. You remember that? Uh, we grew up singing the children's song, Ten were bad and two were good, about these spies, right? And they go back and they, they check out the, the Canaan's land, the promised land, and they come back to Moses, and ten of the spies, they give a report that sounds something like this. Well, Moses, the land is great, and, and the fruits are large, and it's flowing with milk and honey. But, oh, Moses, we, we, we can't dare go into that land. And maybe Moses asks, well, why? Why? I mean, God's given us this land. Why can't we go in? Moses, listen, you should see the people in that land. Boy, you should see the enemies that we have to fight. Moses, they're big. They're strong. They're giants. Moses, there's no way that we could go in that land. Where is their focus, church? And then Joshua and Caleb come. And they begin to give their testimony, their report. And in chapter 14 and verse number 9, one of them says this, The Lord is with us. Fear them not. You know, their focus was not so much on the enemies of the land or the circumstances that were all around them, but rather on the God who had promised this land to them. Boy, the disciples, in this moment, can I remind you, church, Jesus is in the boat, but their eyes are on the waves on the sea. Amy Carmichael wrote this, Thou art the Lord who slept upon the pillow. Thou art the Lord who sued the furious sea. What matter the beating wind and tossing billow if only we are in the boat with thee. Can I remind you, church, they could look over literally physically and see Jesus Christ in the boat with them. This boat is not going to sink. It's not going to perish, but where is their focus? It is all around them on the circumstances, the storms that are surrounding them. They lost their focus. Secondly, they doubted his word. Notice Luke chapter number 8 and verse 22 again. Notice Jesus' words, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Church, can I remind you, if Jesus says we're going to go over to the other side of the lake, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go over to the other side of the lake. And whether it's smooth seas or it's stormy seas, it doesn't matter. Jesus' will will be done. What was the storm doing to their faith? Well, it was testing it, wasn't it? Can I tell you, church, this is exactly what happens to us in life, isn't it? Sometimes storms come to our life and they reveal the weakness. I remember uh, just about a year ago, we had to purchase a new vehicle. And uh, we had a big truck to pull the, the camper, the rig with, and, and, uh, but it only sat five. And, and we had another baby on the way. So we said, you know what, uh, we, we got to find a new vehicle. And so I, I located a truck online. It was good price. I had a young man who worked at a mechanic shop. Go check it out. He drove it around. Everything looked great. The dealership was owned by some Christian people. I felt really good. I prayed about it and flew up to North Carolina from Alabama, drove the truck home. Everything was great. It was a little bit louder than what I was used to, but it was running fine. And so finally it came time to put the truck to the real test. You know, when it was just driving by itself, it wasn't pulling anything, everything was great. But when I hooked, you know, 18, 20,000 pounds and was going up mountains in Kentucky, boy, now was the real test. And I began to quickly notice something wasn't quite right. I was getting passed, you know, and my other truck, I'd pass people going uphill. I could could haul, you know, and this truck wasn't right. Well, we made it up to Ohio. I don't know, just a few days later, we began a journey to Pennsylvania to start a revival week. And all of a sudden, I pulled off at a Love's truck station. Everything was fine with the truck. I was watching all my temperature gauges and all those things. And when I got off the exit, all of a sudden, unexpected flames started shooting out my tailpipe. Now some of you teens may think that's cool, okay, but in that moment that was not okay. I'm thinking is the truck on fire, you know, do I need to get the kids out? What, what is happening? And we, we, we made it into the little Love's parking lot there and turned the truck off, made some phone calls, figured out what in the world has happened? What is going on to our, our brand new three-week-old truck for us? And all of a sudden, uh, black oil starts running out the tailpipe. And I thought, boy, this we're not going anywhere today. This is not a good situation. We finally found a shop to put it in and a couple of days later, found out we needed an entire new engine put in that truck. You know what? Can I tell you, Church? By the way, your church was a part of providing for that. Praise the Lord for that. But when that happened, I thought, what in the world? This truck was fine. We had it tested out. I mean, I drove it. But you know what happened when you put a load on it? You found out what was inside of it. It wasn't much, okay? <laughs> but you found out what was inside of it. Church, can I tell you it's exactly what's happening to these disciples? They can stand up in church and say, "We are men of faith." They can watch the miracles, but when the storm comes, all of a sudden that faith is put to the test and its weakness is revealed. Notice the second action that I see in Luke chapter number 8. Not only do we want to see what the storm did, their faith, did to their faith, notice secondly what Jesus did to the storm. So here's Jesus. He's been awoken out of his sleep. He's, he's, he's aware of the situation all along. What is he going to do? Well, notice first of all, what did Jesus do to this storm? First of all, he slept through it. Isn't that interesting? Verse number 23 uh, here. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake. Jesus had just finished an exhausting day of ministry, teaching for hours and hours and hours, and in his humanity, he's tired, he's exhausted, and so he gets into this boat. I mean, after all, Peter, James, John, Andrew, some of these men have been fishermen. They know how to sell a boat. They, they know how to get to where they're going on the lake here, and, and so he begins to sleep. He's tired, but by the way, just because he's asleep doesn't mean he's not aware, does it? Can I tell you a truth this morning, church? Jesus is never taken off guard by the storms that come into our lives. They never catch Him by surprise. He's never shaken by how big or how suddenly they come or how bad they may seem. Church, I want to remind you of a truth, a Bible truth this morning, and that is that Jesus is sovereign. And I say that simply means this. He is always completely in control. Always completely in control no matter what my life looks like mountaintops valleys it's even through the shadow of death that he's that shepherd that leads us isn't it commentator said this what created the real panic in the disciples heart was not the storm it was the calm that interesting maybe they're not so concerned with the storm i think they are but i think also they're concerned with the fact jesus isn't doing anything jesus isn't awake Jesus isn't working. Jesus isn't aware of what's going on in our lives. Can I remind you, church, this morning, just because Jesus is silent doesn't mean he is absent. And just this morning, because he isn't speaking, doesn't mean he isn't working. In fact, sometimes those moments in our life where we're thinking, God, where are you? God, why aren't you dealing with this? God, why aren't you helping? God, why aren't you present? Why why aren't you here in this situation? In those moments, Jesus is doing some of his greatest work. So what did he do to the storm? He slept through it. Secondly, he spoke to it. Notice verse 24. And they came to him and awoke him saying, "Master, master, we perish." Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Isn't this say something about our God? He speaks to the storms. I don't know about you. I've tried that at times. Rain, rain, go away. Come again another day, you know, but it didn't have any effect. But here's God Almighty with the power of the Lord's voice. Isn't it amazing that he has? Matthew and Mark use a term that describes the sea to be just like glass. You ever been out on the ocean before and maybe because of how the tide is or in the bay, and boy, it's just just as calm as glass. Isn't that amazing? Skeptics have often used this passage, and they try to explain it away, and one of the things they'll say is, you know, storms, they can blow out just as quick as they can move in. That's true, they move quickly, don't they? But waters don't go calm immediately, do they? Boy, it takes hours after the storm is gone for those waves to subside. But the Bible says, Matthew and Mark both say, that right after Jesus spoke those words, Peace, be still, that the water was as still as glass. Boy, that's something to think about, isn't it, this morning? Men can do fascinating things, church. There are stories of healings and amazing feats and escapes and all of those things, but nobody has the power to calm a storm like our God has. Just remind you this morning of God's voice. Remind you, church, this morning God spoke and created all that is. I love the fourth day. The Bible describes the stars, and it says this, and He made the stars also. You know? just an afterthought they tell us in our galaxy alone there's somewhere between 200 billion and 400 billion stars just in our galaxy now that's quite a wide range isn't it either 200 billion or I don't know maybe there's double that okay in other words we don't know we can't count them we have no idea but here's what we know all God had to say it was just speak the word and there they were they estimate there's some 2 trillion galaxies located in the universe. Can you imagine 200 to 400 billion stars in all of them? And here's what my Bible says. It says, He telleth the number of stars, and He calleth them all by their name. Church, I just want to remind you that no matter how great the storm is in your life, it takes just a word from the Lord, and that storm can be calm. He spoke, and the dead came back to life. He spoke, and the blind could see, the lame could walk. He spoke, and the wind and the seas obeyed Him. He spoke, and it came to be. In fact, just in Luke chapter number 8, in our verses here, we're studying, we see that Jesus speaks, and He has power over natural disasters. But if you keep reading verses 26 through 39, you'll find that Jesus could speak, and the demons had to flee. This is the demoniac of Gadara. This is where they're sailing to on the Sea of Galilee. And when they get there, they meet this man who's so possessed that there's a legion of demons in him. And in just a word, those demons flee. In verses 43 through 48 in Luke chapter number 8, you find that Jesus could speak. In fact, he didn't even have to speak. Someone touched his garment and he had power over disease. A woman who had an issue of blood. And verses 40 through 56, Jesus had power over even death. He comes to Jairus' daughter and she's dead. And Jesus says, no, 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 she's just sleeping. And they laugh at him, right? Jesus goes in and speaks this girl's name and tells her to arise. And he has power even over death. Church, can I just remind you, where's your focus this morning? Where's your focus? If you're looking at the storm, you're looking at the waves, you're looking at the health crisis or the bank account or our country, my goodness, in the political situation, boy, things seem hopeless, but put your eyes on Jesus. He's the one that speaks to those situations. He's the one that speaks to those storms. Boy, he's powerful. Psalm 62, 11, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. 1 Chronicles 29.11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Church, I want to remind you this morning that Jesus can calm the storm inside of us, just like He can calm the storm outside of us. And i also remind you this morning that Jesus can calm the storm inside of us even if He doesn't calm the storm on the outside of us. Sometimes Jesus doesn't choose to heal here on earth, does he? Sometimes Jesus doesn't take away circumstances and difficulties and disabilities and those things. But, you know, inside of us there can be a peace that passes all understanding, can't there? lost a dear brother in the Lord several years ago, a hero of the faith in our state. His name was Dr. Shane Lewis, and we couldn't understand. Here's a man of God, 500 in his church or so, great prison ministry, ministry in the Philippines, training up nationals to start churches, and God chose to take his life, and we couldn't understand it. But I tell you this, I watched as his family had a peace that I I couldn't even understand. Why? Because that's our God. He speaks to the storms, but notice a third thought. Not only did he speak to the storm, thirdly, he spoke through the storm, didn't he? He spoke through the storm to the disciples. I believe, church, there are two storms in this account. There's a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and then there's a storm raging inside the disciples. Can we trust Him? Do we know Him? Can He even take care of the wind and the waves in our lives? And yet, God, isn't it amazing how He uses this storm on the Sea of Galilee to speak right to the storm that was taking place inside of the disciples' heart? Did you notice their response? Notice verse 25. They said, what manner of man is this? For he calmeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Boy, don't you know, church, that from that moment on, the disciples remembered this moment? My goodness, you remember when we were in the boat, and we were shaking, and we were afraid, and yet he calmed even the storm. Job chapter 38 and verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, It's interesting, the word whirlwind there is used, I believe, four times in the Bible, and that same word is used in Luke chapter number 8 when it comes to talking about this storm here, this wind, this storm of wind that came. In other words, the same whirlwind that God spoke to Job out of is the same storm that God is speaking directly into these disciples' lives out of. Can I remind you, church, this morning, instead of asking why, ask what? Instead of saying, God, why me? God, why why now? God, why this? Ask God what? What, what, what do you want to say, Lord? What, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to challenge me and speak to me? C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. They are his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I remember two years ago, I mentioned a moment ago, I got a call from my dad. and It's not unusual. Dad and I talk a, a lot. Uh, several times a week we're talking I talked to him this morning but when he uh, when I answered the phone hello how are you he was crying He was weeping so boy something's gone wrong you know you can tell can't you in somebody's tone and all of a sudden dad said well son he said "Uh, your mom had a test today and I didn't even know mom was having a test today shows the great communication we have in our family you know and and mom mom had a test today and they found a tumor on her liver I thought, my goodness I even know Anything was going on with mom, you know, and isn't it amazing? Those phone calls change your life, and so we began to pray, and we began to pray, and we began to pray. Can I tell you, God saw fit to heal my mom in a miraculous way, but you know what? God stirred our family up through that church, and I want to tell you, church, the storm that's in your life now, I was thinking this morning, boy, you preach to an audience this size. Here's what you know. There's some storms in some people's lives right now. There's some difficulties, there's some trials, there's some circumstances that if we had our way, we'd say, God, it'd be all right if you remove this. But church, I remind you this morning, as one preacher said, sometimes God wants to do an improving job instead of a removing job. God uses this storm to speak right to them. Notice a third action, and we'll finish this morning. We've seen what the storm did to their faith, and then we saw what Jesus did to the storm. He slept through it, he spoke to it, and he spoke through it. But notice thirdly and finally this morning, notice what Jesus did to their faith. Jesus is always working, always working on this disciples. So notice, first of all, he rebuked it. He rebuked it. Notice, where is your faith? Church, can, can you imagine? Put yourself in this scenario. Here's the disciples. they just had a day, a seminar, if you will of Jesus teaching and expounding the words of God and and growing their faith. And all of a sudden they're in the storm and they've forgotten all that they've been taught and they're scared. Jesus, you got to wake up, we're going to die. And Jesus steps out and he calms the sea and all of a sudden their fears have subsided and the storm has died down and then Jesus turns and he looks at them. Hey, Peter, where's your faith? In the book of Matthew he said it this way, he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? In Mark, he said it this way, same scenario. He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Can you imagine how small you'd feel in that moment? Can I tell you, church, I can't tell you the times, even these last weeks, in studying this passage, that God has said, Ethan, where is your faith? Why do you doubt? Why can't you trust me? You trust me with eternity of all things. But you can't trust me with this little situation in your life. Boy, he rebuked it. Can I remind you, church, what hurt the disciples the most was not the amount of foes that they faced. Rather, it was their lack of faith. It wasn't the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees that hurt the disciples. It was their lack of faith. Church, if we had a faith checkup this morning, just before God Almighty, and we looked at our lives and the doubts and the worries that we have, what would that checkup say about our faith? Can I remind you this morning, Hebrews eleven six? but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So he rebuked it. Secondly, he refined it. He refined it. Aren't you thankful for this about our God, church? That any time he's correcting us, he's working on us. He's building us. You know, we sing the song, he's still working on me, right? To make me what I ought to be. Well, Jesus understood. Man, the disciples, they need some work. He understands, boy, Ethan needs some work. He's refining their faith. One man said, indeed, God sometimes takes us into storms, not to discipline us, but to disciple us. Not to break us, but to better us, to make us more like his son. Job said, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as Gold. Psalm 66, verses 10 through 12. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou brought us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast create, uh, caused men uh, to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out unto a wealthy place. Church, can I just tell you this morning that these disciples, without any doubt, had greater faith coming out of the storm than they did when they went into it? And, church, isn't that true about us? I not about you, but when I see God work in my life and I see God build me through these circumstances and through these trials, when you come out on the other side, you have a greater appreciation, a greater faith, a greater trust for the Lord. Boy, trials are really good for us. You had Brother Paulie speaking to you last Sunday night. I went on, I listened to his message. Wonderful message, wasn't it? And I love, he says this sometimes. He says, Jesus has a way of taking our question marks and straightening them out into exclamation points. Boy, he does, doesn't he? You may go into a storm, a trial with questions and doubts and fears, but boy, you can come out of that trial knowing, boy, my God, He speaks to the seas. My God, He calms the waves and the waters no matter how high they rage. After watching the Lord replace our motor, providing every penny that we needed, boy, I could say, what's too big for God, right? If God could do this, what, 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 what couldn't He do? Many years ago in the 1870s, there was a prominent lawyer in Chicago And he was a good lawyer. He's well known. and In fact, he was a Christian man, and he aided in the campaigns of D.L. Moody. One particular year was hard. A lot of storms and trials were coming into Horatio Spafford's life. They lost their only son of a disease, and then just a short while later, they lost several investments that they had upon Lake Michigan. And so there was just a lot of Lot of difficulty in their life, and so Horatio and his wife discussed it and decided that they would leave America, go to England for a vacation time just to renew and refresh and rebuild themselves in the Lord. And while they were there, they were actually going to help D.L. Moody and his campaigns and his evangelism. Just before they were to get on the ship and sail across the Atlantic Ocean, a business endeavor. Took place that Horatio had to deal with. He couldn't just set it aside. Of course, there weren't phones and emails and those types of things, but he didn't want to ruin the vacation for his wife and his daughters. And so he said, You folks go ahead and, and I'll meet you as soon as I can get things taken care of here, stateside. I'll, I'll sell and I'll, I'll meet you there. His wife said, that'll be, that'll be fine. His wife and his four daughters got on the boat and sailed across the Atlantic to England. Just nine days after they boarded the ship, Horatio Spafford received a telegram, is how they communicated back then, and it had two words in it, and the words were saved alone. Saved alone. He would later have the story relayed to him that while the ship was crossing the Atlantic Ocean with his wife and his daughters, it collided with another vessel and in 12 minutes sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. All four of his daughters were lost, and his wife would have been drowned as well but a piece of driftwood providentially floated up under her and she was able to be rescued what a storm Horatio as quick as he could got a ticket to join his wife she was in Wales at this point and so he got a ticket as quick as he could boarded a boat and, and set sail his heart broken his life torn apart all of his children gone at this point while they were journeying across the ocean the captain called for Horatio and called him up to the bridge and said Mr. Spafford we uh, We've done some calculations. We've communicated with other vessels. And to the best of our ability, we believe that this is the very spot, this is the very section of ocean where your four daughters perished. His heart was broken, heavy. He went down to his cabin and he pulled out a pen and a piece of paper, just began talking with the Lord, trying to find strength, trying to find some hope in the middle of this storm. What was God doing in his life? And he began to pen words, and these were the words that he wrote. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. Think about it, church. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. It is well, it is well with my soul. These verses we don't sing, but they're powerful. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine, for in death as in life, Thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. Our trump, O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well. With my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. How, church? How do you pen words like that when you've lost it all? Well, here's what I know about the storm that Horatio was in because it's similar to the storm the disciples were in. God speaks through the storm. And sometimes he does a rebuking job of our faith, but oftentimes he does that improving job, that correcting job. That building us, that growing us, that letting us know, I'm still there, I'm still working, I'm still in the midst. Church, I challenge you this morning, I don't know what storms are in your life, but I know what always should be present, whether we're in a storm or out, and that is our faith. So this morning, let me ask you, where is your faith? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, you know my heart this morning. I want to be a help to your people. But I don't know hearts this morning. I don't know lives. I don't know circumstances or situations. But I'm so thankful this morning that I serve the God that knows them all. Lord, I have to imagine in a room this size with this many folks, not only are people dealing with storms, but some of them are big. Some of them are difficult. Some of them are very painful. Lord, maybe even somebody this week got a phone call and nobody else even knows about it yet. But Lord, there's a storm in their life. And Lord, we know from studying the disciples' lives, or we're no greater than they. Those storms, they try our faith. Oftentimes, they reveal the weaknesses that we have, our lack of faith, Lord. But may you remind your people, God, that we have a God that speaks to the storm. A God that with one word, Lord, the winds and the waves obey. With one word, Lord, disease is healed and debts are forgiven and the dead come back to life. With one word, Lord, souls are saved. May we be reminded this morning that sometimes you use those storms and you speak through them, Lord, to us. Lord, sometimes we need a storm in our life, no doubt, Lord, to get our attention, to put our focus back on you, to test our faith and to build it up in our life, Lord. I pray this morning if you're rebuking our faith, God, convicting us, showing us that we've not had the faith, we've not had the trust, we've had our focus on other things, Father, may we find restoration this morning a place of healing, a a place of renewed focus and, Lord, a new faith in you. I pray this morning, Father, that you would build our faith. Bless those, Lord. Maybe someone here this morning about to give up hope, someone here this morning thinking if God doesn't have the answer, if he can't move and work, then I don't know what to do. Father, I pray this morning that they'd cast all their cares upon you because you care for them. Maybe one here this morning and they don't have saving faith in Christ. They're going through storms, but they don't have Jesus in the boat. They don't have Jesus in their life. And I pray today, Father, before they leave this room, that they'd come to you and place saving faith in you alone and experience the peace that passes all understanding, experience the forgiveness of sin, and know that they have the promise of life everlasting. Father, minister to our hearts this morning. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Before we do business with the Lord this morning, I'm going to ask you just a couple questions. First, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Not, do you know of God, or do you know that He died, do you know that He rose, but do you know Him personally this morning? Do you have a real relationship with Him? Do you remember how you got saved when you put your faith and trust in Him? Maybe someone in Beacon Baptist Church on a Sunday morning would say, you know, preacher, I I don't have that testimony, I don't know Christ, I don't know the peace that my sins are forgiven this morning. Boy, I need to be saved, I need to put my trust in Jesus Christ alone, have my sins forgiven, I need to be saved this morning, anyone sitting under the sound of my voice this morning and say you know what preacher that's me would you pray for me would you just lift your hand so i could see you we could see and pray for you god bless you right over here yes ma'am i pray for you this morning god bless you anyone else this morning preacher pray for me i don't know that i'm saved i don't know that i have christ as my savior boy if that's you this morning whether you raise your hand or not in just a moment as we give an invitation would you come please don't linger we'll meet you right here open a bible and show you how you can know a peace that passes all understanding We'll show you how you can know your sins are forgiven and Jesus is your Savior. And then how many say this morning, you know, preacher, I know that I'm saved. Oh, I know I'm saved. But if I'm just honest, this morning the Lord's speaking to me. I'm going through a trial, going through a struggle, just going through a test in life. And this morning, I've got to answer that question, where is my faith? Preacher, you pray for me this morning. God, speaking to me. Anyone like that this morning, pray for me this morning, preacher. God bless you. Boy, hands all across the room. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, I don't know the circumstances, but you do. God, you know the hurt, you know the pain, you know the doubts, you know the, the frustrations and the worries. Father, as we do business with you, maybe someone needs to come and kneel. Someone needs to find someone to pray with this morning. Lord, someone's not saved. Those that raise their hand, I pray they'd come, Father, and find saving faith in Christ. Oh, God, do business with us this morning and grow our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.